Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Hey, we're going to read Matthew chapter 2. Can we do that? We're going to go read Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're actually going to read the whole chapter. So that's going to be good. And I got some thoughts, and I'm trying to hinge them, anchor them in the word in Matthew chapter 2, and we'll see where it goes. But we're going to read that. Now, this is all about the, the wise men, and when they came and visited uh, the Savior, visited the Lord, visited this newborn king. How many know there were wise men visited the king? How many know the Bible doesn't say three? You know, church history might say there was three, or it might have been. They even got names for the three guys. But uh, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that. But they were wise men. They believed there were kings. They may have been very, very uh, substantial people, probably astrologers, probably people who studied the stars. And when you study something, God's good. He tends to speak to you where you are. So no matter what you're doing or what you're involved in or where your desires are, God in the middle of that knows how to speak your language. So he spoke to these guys and he declared to them and he gave them a sign that the king of kings was born in Judea. Pretty neat, huh? So these guys decided to travel and they decided to make their way there. And that's what wise people did. That's what kings did. If there was a king who was the king of kings born, then a king immediately wanted to give tribute to that king and say, I want to make room for myself. You, you know that verse that says a gift makes room for itself? That's really what it means. It means a gift to that king opens doors where you can have a relationship and you can have favor from that king. So if the king of kings is born, any wise king is going to say, I want to worship him. So it's wise to follow their advice. But how many know it would have been very different if it was wise women? No? How different would it be, Pastor? Thanks for the participation. That was good. <laughs> they would have showed up on time. <laughs> Instead of getting lost at Jerusalem, they would have asked for directions. They would have helped deliver the baby, they would have cleaned the stable, they would have made a casserole, and they would have brought more practical gifts. <laughs> they also would have said, did you see her sandals? Not Gucci. You know. <laughs> did you see that donkey he was riding? I mean, long in the tooth. I mean, oh my goodness. Just kidding, not that women do that. I mean, that was, took a sad turn there, didn't it? Sorry about that. Hey, let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now, say now. I love that word, I tell you. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king. Herod, this was Herod the Great. This was not a Jewish king. This was not someone who came through the Davidic line or Abraham's line or any line. This was a guy who was a, a general and a mercenary who fought for the Romans and literally was brought to the Senate and it was conferred upon him in the Roman Senate that you will be king of the Jews. And Herod, his his friend was a guy named, uh, I think it was Michael, was it Michael Anthony? Uh, uh, 
Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony and he were friends. And when that happened in the Senate, this is real historical, really happened stuff. When this happened in the Senate, they went to the temple to Mars, the god, the Roman god of war. And when he was conferred that he would be king of Judea, king of the Jews, Herod went and he made a sacrifice in the temple of Mars to the Roman god of war. And then he came, that mercenary, that evil megalomaniac of a guy. Just use that in a sentence this week somewhere, megalomaniac. Just look it up first before you say to the teller at the bank, you megalomaniac, you. But this guy was a creepy dude. This guy was not someone who God's hand was on, and he was not king of the Jews by any other appointment except by Rome. So he was set there as a king, the imperial client king of Rome. And that's who Herod was. All right, so he was uh, very insecure, uh, very odd individual, but this was the king at the time. This was the political structure. He was appointed by Rome to be the king in Judea. So the Bible tells us that. It puts Jesus in that historical context, because this isn't some fairy tale that we're all just familiar with. This Jesus really existed, really came at a real time in our history. That Jesus, he really was. And he came to the time of this evil king. So behold, wise men came from the east of Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? It, it made sense to them that if the star led them to Jerusalem, they should go to where the palace was. They should go to where the king was. They should go to where the national city was. And they should say, where is the king? And that made sense to them. But when they came, Herod had no idea what they were talking about. And Herod said, I'm the king. And when they said, where is the king? He said, what's going on? We had a very clear political battle going on here. We have seen his star in the east and we come to worship him, to bow down, to worship him, to honor him and to give him gifts. Now, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Listen, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. This would have been on CNN. It would have been on Fox News. It would have been, even CTV would have picked it up. We would have said, wow, somebody's come to worship a king and Herod has no idea what, idea what it's about. We don't know where it's from. Who is coming? Who do they believe? Is there something going on in the background? Is someone coming to usurp the throne of Herod? This is really going on. This was a political encounter. Settle down. We've seen a star Herod heard about it all of Jerusalem, not just a bit, not just Herod, but the whole city was troubled because who are these three guys with their armies and with their truckloads of stuff? They've shown up and they say there's a new king. So everybody was troubled. I think some may be a little excited. I think some maybe. I hope there is a new king because this guy's a dog. He heard that. He sent, and he said, to gather all the chief priests, the scribes, get the people together. And he cried to them, and he said, where will the Christ be born? I think this is interesting that Herod, you know, that the, there's signs. There's, there's people living in other countries. There's shepherds in the fields. There's Anna. There's Simeon. There's all these people who are in the spirit, all these people that are looking. All these people know that the king is born. But the scribes, the religious leaders, the people that day who were running the, you know, mega churches of the day, they had no idea what was going on. And yet when he asked them, hey, if the king were to be born now, where would it be? If, if there was a king, and he's asking them, so he's asking them about the Messiah, because that's the king they would know. And he's saying, if that were to happen today, tell me, where would he be born? 
And these guys were understood enough about the scripture. I mean, they'd memorized the whole thing, but they understood enough to inform him that he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for that is what is written by the prophet. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people. So they went the prophetic word and they understood and they knew exactly where, I got this one open right there. He knew exactly where he would be born. It'd be a real shame for us to be the people of God and not know what he's doing. It'd be a real shame for us in this day to not be aware of what's happening and not understand what's going on. We need to be a people that are constantly abreast of what God's doing today and where God is and what he's moving and be very attuned to his voice. Now, they could have been, but they weren't. So then Herod, verse 7, it says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, hey, guys, Come on over here. Uh, this is someone who, who believed that if this was the Messiah, if this was the king of glory, if this was the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy, I'm going to take him out. Incredible. He said, now, listen, bring these guys. Bring them quietly. He brings them along, and he says, look, guys, uh, uh, determine from them what time the star appeared. And he said to them, well, go, go on to Bethlehem. Go search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, come back here. I mean, come tell me where he is, because I want to worship him as well. That's what I'd like to do. So when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star that they had seen in the east went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. Amazing stuff, isn't it? Me. <laughs> Just... Wow. So they followed the star. I think the star, which star was it? Was it Brad Pitt? Was it, I don't know which star was it. Well, you'd, follow, you'd follow Brad Pitt? No, okay, all right. They followed the star. They followed the star until it came to where the child was. Now, when they heard the king, they departed and went there. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Now, this is a little bit after the birth because clearly it says they came to a house and not to the stable. So all of your nativity scenes that have the wise men at the stable, throw them out because they're all wrong and unbiblical. Because obviously they moved to a house now, so they found a place that was a little better than the stable. So they found the place where he was, they found the house, and uh, they somehow got the forwarding address, so they knew exactly where he was, and they came. So they found, isn't it amazing? They knew that was the king, and what they saw was a child. They saw an infant, and when they saw the infant, they knew that this was the one, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, isn't God good? Divinely warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod. They departed from their own country another way. Now, there's just a lovely little point right there. You ready? Every time you encounter Jesus, you'll leave different. Every time you encounter Jesus, you'll go another way. Every time you encounter him, something will shift in your life, and you'll find yourself in a fresh direction of his goodness and his grace. Just threw that one in, just because that's really it. Every, every time you encounter him, it's times of refreshing. It's times of where God moves on your heart and in your life, and it's good, good, good. Can I hear a good, good? All right, all right. So they went another way. Now departed, they behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, said, Arise, take your young child and his mother and flee Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So run. The enemy is after you. Stand your ground. Stay, stand in the word of God and stand. And if the Herod comes, God will smite him. Now this was the word of the angel. The word of the angel was, get out of town. Run for your life. So what was Jesus 
as a child. He was a political refugee. He was a political refugee. He was a political refugee. He had to flee to Egypt. He had to get out of town because he was oppressed by a nasty ruler. Interesting stuff. So here he is, verse 14. When he arose and he took the young child and his mother at night and he departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Isn't it amazing how the Lord fulfills every aspect of his word? Verse 16. Then Herod, when he had realized that I'm deceived by these wise guys, he was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth to put to death all the male children who were born in Bethlehem and all of its districts. Every male child, two years and under, he destroyed. It's disgusting stuff. Yet there's the same kind of destruction even going on today, where lives are being snuffed out, and the enemy is taking life all over the world. Because the enemy hates everyone born, every seed born of a woman, because you have that potential to manifest the glory of God and the kingdom of God, and he is a liar, a dog. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Then Herod, he went and he did that, everyone under two years old, according to what had been determined by the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. There was a voice in Ramah, lamentation and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That was fulfilled. The home of Nazareth, arise. And the, the home of Nazareth, now, verse 19, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, arise and take the child and his mother, go back to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. And then he arose and he took the young child and his mother and he came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, this was now another Herod, a second Herod. So when he heard that he had become the ruler, he was afraid to go there being warned by God in a dream. He turned aside to the region of Galilee, and he came and he dwelt in the city called Nazareth, again, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be a Nazarene. Amazing the way the word of God works, the way it all pulls together, and the way every single prophetic word about his life was totally fulfilled. What does that tell us? Everything prophetically declared about this day, it shall be absolutely fulfilled. He's going to keep every one of his promises. He'll be faithful to every one of his words. Now, Herod wanted to kill Jesus because he was a political threat. That's why he wanted to kill him. He didn't want to kill him because he worshipped a different god or there's something else going on. He straight up felt that I'm the king, and if there's anybody else declared king, I don't even care if he's the one who's declared the Messiah of all these Jewish people. I will remove, I will kill whoever it is. It wasn't about some attack on God. This was a crazy, creepy man who was appointed by Rome, and he said, I'm the king. I'm going to hang on to it by whatever means, and he was willing to kill anybody who came and anyone who threatened his rule. Crazy stuff, isn't it? Matthew 27, 11, now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. Why did Jesus, why, why in the end was he killed? Why in the end, and who killed him? Why in the end was he killed? He was killed. The, the Jews people could not kill him. They didn't have the right to kill him. Even if they wanted to kill him, it would have been an illegal act. They would have put themselves in trouble. So they knew they had to get Rome to kill him. So they found a way to get 
Pilate and to get Herod and to get all these people lined up and they convinced these people, you have to kill this man. He is a threat. He says he's the king of the Jews, which saying that to Herod is somebody is politically trying to overthrow my kingdom. This was a kingdom against a kingdom and it was highly political. How are you doing? That's what was really going on. So Romans killed him. Who killed Jesus? Who killed Jesus? Who, the Romans killed him. They killed him. That's what they said in the book of Acts. They said, you killed him. You did it. You killed him. Here's a, a coin from uh, uh, the day. I took this right off the internet. Pretty neat. I studied all kinds of coins. And these were coins from Caesar Augustus' day. All kinds of them. But on the coins, you see, the one side is his head, the Caesar Augustus. On the other side, it says, Divi, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Divi Phileas. Divi Phileas, which means divine son or the son of God. And that's what was on their currency. Divine son or son of God. Some of their other currencies said, said the, the, the prince of peace. Some of his, the other currencies said the lord of all. Some other currencies said the king of kings. That all sounds really familiar, doesn't it? You know, it was in the hands of people, the currency that they traded in every day. You know, it was on that currency. It was reinforced to them all the time that Caesar is Lord. And every time they had an exchange, every time they, they had to buy a piece of bread or do anything, any time they pulled a coin out of their pocket, it was reinforced and spoken to them over and over and over again. Caesar is son of God, divine, prince of peace, king of kings. Caesar is Lord. And that's what was communicated all that time through that. And so you see that when Jesus came and suddenly the language in the Bible, the language of believers was someone has come. He is Lord of Lords. Jesus is King of Kings. Do you understand how incredibly bold it was for them to stand up in their day and say, not Caesar is Lord, but Jesus is Lord. They brought him coins. I mean, here's a, a, a passage of scripture. Let me see if I can find it. Luke chapter 20, 24 and 25. He says, show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription do they have? And the answer it's Caesar's. And they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to say, because they didn't want to pay taxes. They hated paying taxes. They want to trap Jesus. Should you pay taxes? Should we? I mean, should we honor Rome? And they're, they're always trying to trap Jesus in some messy little thing. But he said, show me a denarius. He said, whose image or inscription does it have? And they answered, they said, Caesar's. And he said, then render therefore to Caesar what is Caesar's and render the things to God that are God's. It's just a coin. It's a tool. It's a, something we use. And you know what? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But you know what? If it's an image, whose image is it? Whose image are you in? Whose image do you carry? So render to Caesar what is Caesar's. But you know what? Render to God what is God's. And you know what? You are an image bearer of God. You belong to God. And the image that you carry, Jesus is Lord. He is the King of Kings. The Son of God is divine. And that's the image I carry. Give to God the things that are God's. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
What's happening here? Why was Jesus born? Why were these kings going to worship him? What was happening? There was a kingdom in heaven. The kingdom of heaven had moved into earth. What an amazing invasion. A child was born, and that's how God Almighty initiated the invasion of a fallen world. It's so amazing, but it wasn't just a, a introducing a philosophy or introducing a, a, new, a new spiritual thing. I'm going to introduce a, a new religion to the earth. Jesus came to be the heavenly representative who would be the king of kings and lord of all, who would introduce the government of heaven to become the government of earth. That in every single way, Jesus Christ would introduce the reign of God our Father into every single affair of our world. And the amazing thing to me is, it was so incredibly political. How you doing? Wow. So you see, when they said, Jesus is Lord to each other, you know what the rest of the world said? Hail Caesar, which means Caesar is Lord. But when they said, Jesus is Lord, you realize when they said that, they put their very life at risk. Because they said, he's not Lord, Jesus is Lord. Lord. You know, we say, Jesus is Lord. We can sing, Jesus is Lord. We can write emails, Jesus is Lord. We can sign out, hey, and Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Well, you know, it meant an awful lot to them. And it meant that they were willing to risk their whole lives to say that I am not ruled by the government here. I am ruled by a different government. The government of heaven dominates my life. Settle down. What are we starting here, pastor? A revolution? Yes. That's what we're starting. That's what Jesus began. Jesus started a revolution. His birth was a revolution. You say you want a revolution. Oh, so you want to change the world. Yes. We're starting a revolution. The difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, real simple. You ready? Here it is, the location of God. That's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, God was in heaven and God was around, but he was never inside of mankind. People were anointed by him, maybe smeared by him, but he was never in the hearts of men and women. The location of God was really the big difference. He lived in temples. He smeared prophets and these kind of things, but he never fully embodied people. But now in the new covenant, the temple of God is, we have become as fixed abode. And the temple of God is not you as an individual. The temple of God is manifest as you are a part of a corporate body. Being a part of the church and the body of Christ and celebrating that and knowing that you're there is a very real and clear manifestation that God is alive in a well in the earth. Church isn't some optional thing that you throw in every once in a while and make a little part of your life. Like, well, church is a part of my life. Church is something you're called to, to be a part of a living body, a living organism, a manifestation of the government and the kingdom of God in the earth. And it's not something you pick and choose how you want to be involved in. It's something you were placed in by God himself to demonstrate his kingdom. This community is the eternal purpose of God. And it's not something you should ever treat carelessly. How are you? It's the last day of 2017. I think there's serious days ahead for serious people who understand what time it is. 
The difference is, where is God located? Kingdom. Kingdom comes from those two words, king and domain. There is a king and he has a domain. There's three things that denote kingdom. Number one, there is a ruler. The ruler is Jesus. Number two, there is a realm. He is Lord. That's where he is Lord, is his realm. And then the rules are the teachings of Christ. We have a new kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's the teaching of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Just say that to your neighbor. Jesus is Lord. Do you get that? Do you understand what you just said? Do you understand the declaration you just made? Jesus is Lord. Not he will be, not in the sweet by and by, not someday when he comes again, then it'll all be set up. He is Lord today, and he's Lord of my life, and I declare openly and boldly over my life and all that I am, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That was good. All right, good, good. All right, Jesus is, is Lord. Jesus was born to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to reconcile all things to his Father. He is born in us to realize the same purpose. So what he was sent to do is now continued in us. That's what he prayed in John 17. He said, now, Father, I've done my part. I pray that you continue what we started through the body of Christ. I give them glory. I give them word. I give them access. I give them my name. I give them, he talks about all the things he equips the body of Christ to finish the job, which is to dominate in every single way. I know my wife hates that word. But to bring the government of God in every single way. Doesn't somebody want to see more love in the world? Doesn't anybody want to see less poverty in the world? Doesn't anybody want to see less sickness in the world? Doesn't anybody want to see less brokenness in the world? How many stupid stories did I see come over my Facebook feed about people who were killing their kids this year, you know, doing stupid stuff, families, you know, crazy things going on in our world. I mean, what is going on out there? Don't you want to see things change? Well, when Jesus comes, he'll make it all better. Jesus did come. The king of kings came, and he's come, and he's now he's the king of kings, which means we are now operating in that authority. He is the king of kings, us being those kings, to manifest the kingdom of God. We are the answer to what's going on in the world today. We are called to enforce the government of heaven everywhere we are. That's what it's all about. It's all about that. It's all about, you know, we are the answer to the difficulties out there. It's not, it, it is political. It really is. But it's not the parties and political things of this earth. Jesus never joined a political party. He never became one of this or one of that. Even though he's political, he prophesied to the powers of the day. He spoke to the powers of the day. He spoke into situations and he shaped what was going on in the world. And we are called to make a difference, not through a political party or some other thing, but through the party of Jesus, through the kingdom of God, through the reign of the government, the influence of being the body of Christ, we have the ability and the power to change the world. Does anybody want to change the world? Nah, I don't want to change anything. Pastors, you know, a couple of good services, sing a few songs, stuff, you know, pay the God bill and get on with my life. Do you want to change the world? Do you want in 2018 set some ridiculous goals to really say, I want to confront pain. I want to confront hurt. I want to confront hardship. I want to confront poverty. You know, the poor you'll have with you always, Pastor. It's not our problem. Wow. How are we doing? You're all right? You're good? Okay, so the kingdom of God is the eternal, is eternal, but dominion is generational. The kingdom of God is eternal, but dominion is 
generational. So the kingdom of God, it's, it's not an issue. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God. He is the king. He is the Lord of all. But dominion is generational. What do you mean by that, pastor? For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep. Every generation has to understand what God's called them to do. Every person has to engage what God desires you to do in your generation. God has a purpose today that, that we need to engage and we have a responsibility to fulfill. We're not just floating through until, well, the next great event is God's going to get them out of there. That's not the next great event. The next great event is that we're going to continue to take ground. We're going to continue to push back the gates of hell. We're going to continue to see the kingdom of God fill the earth. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Psalm 115.16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So we have a responsibility in our day, just like Mary had a call, Joseph had a call, Joseph had to hear from God in his day, he had a dream, God said, get out of Dodge for a while, go back. He had to steward, he had to steward, Joseph, a man, was trusted by God to steward the anointed one. Mary was given a responsibility as, as a woman to steward and to bring into manifestation the anointed one. You have the exact same responsibility in this day to steward the purpose of God today, the anointing of today, the revelation that God has for today. We have a responsibility to be current and to be aware and to know the voice of God and steward what he's doing in our day. If there's a mess in our city, folks, we can change it. Or the other church down the road, they can do it. Or could we work together with the other churches down the road? And could we do it together? Well, I would, but, you know, they don't believe like I do. Well, they believe a lot of the stuff we do. And they don't mind if we still do what we do. And it's okay that they don't do everything we do. But, you know, what? we can work together for the glory of God. Amen. All right. So look at this now. Who wants to change the most? Who needs change the most? Who wants change the most? Think about it. Just reflect for a moment. Sorry to engage you in a sermon and get you to think. <laughs> so you stand up there and talk. We'll sit here and more or less try not to fall asleep. And, but don't engage us. Don't get me to think in the middle of a talk. Think about the world. Think about the globe today. Think about what you know about the earth today. Think about it. Who in the earth is crying out for change right now? Who's crying out for change? Who's crying out for change? The poor. The broken. The sick. I heard sick people call today. I can't make it, Pastor. I'm feeling under the weather. I would come, but I'd have to vomit while I said amen. Well, then you keep that with you. Unless you got faith enough to believe you can bring it, we can heal you. And bring your problems to the house of God. It's all good. But you know, you ever been in need when you're in need? We were praying with uh, Benet's son, Jonas, going through a difficulty, going through a situation where his body seems to be just rejecting things and stuff, trying to figure out what's going on. But, you know, Jonas wants change. Things have to change. Things have to change. We got Jesse. They've been battling for a year. Cancer, just in his little cancer in his collarbone. You know what, Jesse? He wants that to change. He's crying out, why'd that happen to me? I don't know, but you know what? It's going to change. You know, I go to Haiti, you know what? I go down the streets, and when I was there this time, I literally sat in the truck and just, just began to weep as we were driving down the street. I went, oh my God, the hopelessness is overwhelming. It is literally crushing. It, I feel the weight, the heaviness, the darkness. It's oppressive. 
You know who really wants to see some change? Haiti wants to see some change. They want things to change. Something's got to change. Well, Lord Jesus, come and get us out of this mess because Haiti needs you to get us out of here. He said, I got you in here. You got everything. You got authority. You got power. He began to try and change the world. He started the whole thing. And I mean, I love it. When Simeon saw just the baby coming to be circumcised, he said, I can go home now because I've seen the salvation of people, of the people of God. Isn't that great? It's a finished job, but it's our turn. It's really our turn. Wasn't 2017 awesome? What do you want to do with 2018? What do you want to do? Because you know what? It's our turn. What are we doing? What are we doing? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here's what Jesus said when he began his public ministry. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel, which is the good news to the poor. Who needs to hear some good news today? The poor. He says he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives, to say that there's recovery of sight for the blind, to set at liberty, to proclaim that, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? Everything is possible. It's the year of Jubilee. It's the year where the abundant favor of God is within your reach. Everything can change. Everywhere where there's a manifestation of darkness, the light is rushing in and the light of the world has come and we are the bearers of that light. We are the image carriers of that light and we bear on us. Jesus is Lord. Woo! All right, that's good. I was thinking this morning, I just laid down a bunch of random thoughts. I hope I can make it a sermon. I don't know, but I'm trying. Look around. Who needs to hear this message? Who wants this change the most? I want my eyes to be opened. I want my eyes to be opened in 2018. I want to say, Lord, I want to be an image bearer that comes into the most messed up, painful situations and manifests your goodness, your love, and your kindness. And I want to focus on that because that's where your heart is. And that is what is eternal. Okay, Acts chapter 28, 30 and 31. We're coming to a rapid conclusion. Acts chapter 28, 30 and 31. Then Paul, who dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand this? This is a guy who's under house arrest He's there, and he's in his own rented house, and there he is. He's in Rome, and what's he doing in Rome? I better keep my mouth shut because I'm right here where Caesar is. Oh, my goodness. What's he doing? Right under the nose of the political structures that are trying to suppress everything else except for Caesar's Lord, right there, he is proclaiming with confidence... No one forbidding him with confidence, the Lord Jesus Christ, and declaring that there is another kingdom, and that kingdom is here now, and that kingdom is rushing in. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please stop running around the building, sit in your chairs. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what Paul was doing. That's what the whole book of Acts was about. The whole book of Acts, you see people going out, literally not joining political parties or having, you know, political things, but definitely having a political confrontation with the governments of the day, with the physical governments of the day and with the spiritual governments of the day, introducing there is a new kingdom, there's a new reign, there's a new way to do things. 
Acts chapter 17, verse 6. These who have turned the world upside down, they've come here too. Those who have turned the world up, what did they do? Did they go with armies, with horses? Did they have guns and swords and spears? Those who have turned the world upside down, how did they do that? They took the word of God. They went under the anointing of the spirit of God. They went under the mantle of Jesus as Lord. They went and everywhere they went, they declared, there's good news. There's good news. There's a new king. There's a new kingdom. There's a new realm that you can come into. And there's a new teaching you can live by. And it's all about love it's all about love please settle down over here you people are far too excited I don't know anybody who needs any help I'm good just need you to stop so I can go eat I'm more and more more and more and more and more as I get a little bit older it really comes down to love if you're not doing anything that's wrapped in love, it's not surrounded by love, if you're doing anything that's selfish or self-promoting or, or anything that comes out of your own ability to try to prove yourself worth, it's rubbish. It's all about love. It's all about other people need love. We have the agape love of God shed abroad in our hearts. We have incredible capacity to heal what's around us with the power of God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. These people who've turned the world upside down, they're here too. Jason has been harboring them, and these are all acting contrary. Listen, what are they doing? They're preaching sermons. What are they doing? They're having choirs and song services and healing people. What are they doing? What are they doing? What is it they were doing? Here's what we're concerned about. They are teaching things contrary to the decrees of Caesar. When's the last time you, you were teaching something that was contrary to the decrees of Caesar? These guys were political activists, but coming with the government of heaven to come against, and I don't care who is doing it. I don't care who it's from. I don't even care if they're my friend or somebody that I, I think I should be for. If what they're doing is harmful and rubbish and counterproductive, it's Caesar's tripe. And I will not defend it or stand for it. Because anything that is like that, it's not of the government of God. It's of the government of the devil. Wow, pastor, settle down. You know, it has to be wrapped in the love of God. And if it's not, don't be deceived by it. It's not a horse you want to put your money on because it's not going to win. God is going to win. The government of heaven will win. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That'll always win. The church that Jesus Christ is building, it will prevail. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's something to stand on because his kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. We got one. Josh, we got to put you on the front row. I mean, you could be right up here and you could help people understand how to respond. It's so good. Look at honored them, and they are all contrary to the decrees of Caesar. They are saying there's another king. Here's what bothered the people of their day. They're saying there's another king. Rome didn't care who you worshipped. 
Rome never came to change your worship. They didn't care who you worship. They didn't care what you sang, what you did, you know, what you read. They didn't care about any of that. Go worship, have fun, knock yourself out. But when you stand in the public place and you declare Jesus is Lord, when you say there's another domain, there's another kingdom, there's another way of doing things, when you say there's love should trump everything, when you start doing that, wow, you're going to put yourself in trouble. Because what they said was, there is another king. They flipped the whole system. They transformed society. We are impact church, transforming lives to impact their world. We're a transformational people. And the reason we want to transform you is because when you leave church, you go somewhere. And then you just can't wait till you're back in church next week. Oh, I can't wait to get back in the presence of God. Oh my goodness, that's all wonderful. But you walk out of here with the presence of God to change the world. You know, if we get dumbed down, imagine if the upper room where the Holy Spirit fell and we all stayed in the upper room. Oh, this is so good. Okay, guys, get out. Oh, no, no, this is awesome. If they never left the upper room, we wouldn't be here. We'd have had some stillborn purpose of God that never got out the doors because they were too selfish and too busy. I'm enjoying myself. And I am enjoying myself. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying yourself. But you know, when you go meet the king on the mountain, he's going to tell you that there's fathers in the valley that need to hear from you. There's people out there who need good news. And you know how to recognize them? They're poor. They're brokenhearted. They're sick captives. Hello, has anybody got maybe one or two of those in their circle somewhere? If you don't, hang out with me for a minute. I'll show you a bunch. And, you know, I think about Haiti. We want to go to India this year again and see them. And uh, I'm so proud of what they've done in India with, you know, with the deposits that we've made there. But don't you want to change the world? Wow, that's lofty stuff, eh? Uh, here we go again. Another change the world sermon. woo Open it up. Check it out. You know what it is? It's a change the world book. It's a manual for confronting the kingdom of darkness and bringing in the kingdom of heaven. That's what it's all about. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, I'd like to do that. I'd like to encourage that. And we're going to start in the new year by stepping into a thing called ask. And we're going to learn how to, like Faye was saying, call out to me. We're, we're going to get some nostril snorting happening in the heavenly realms. We're going to speak to the structures, the things that are behind some of the wicked things in the world. We're going to say, let them be cast down. And then we're going to come in with the heart, the power, and the passion of God. And we're going to say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In my workplace, as it is in heaven. In my life, as it is in heaven. In my family, as it is in heaven. On my street, as it is in heaven. In our church, as it is in heaven. For goodness sake, there's enough darkness in here. It's just the lights, Pastor. I am. I'm walking out of 2017. I know it sounds a bit heavy. Oh my goodness, Pastor. Give me a, another slide here. Let's see. We are here to support the heavenly invasion of earth by the kingdom of God. We are here to introduce a new heavenly society rearranged under the lordship of Christ. Love trumps everything. Forgiveness, healing, restoration are now within our reach. Entering into the year of our Lord 2018, is he your Lord? 
Is he? Is he really your Lord? Is that just some phrase, something you throw out? Is he really your Lord? Are you willing to say, hey, you got to take responsibility for this. Who controls your time? Well, I do. Well, who controls your talent? Well, I decide when I want to engage and when I don't. Control. Don't you love that word? Control. Who controls your treasure? Well, I choose when I want to give and when I don't. You know, that's, that's my business. Actually, it's his business. Because he is Lord. He's Lord of all. Do you talk to him about things going on in your life? Do you ask him, what do you think about this? Do you ask him, do you think this is going the right way? What could I do? Do you think this is a good result? Do you think this is good? What could we do different? Do you talk to him? Is he Lord? Is he the Lord? I love it, Colossians 3.3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Way too many living sacrifices crawling off the altar and doing whatever they want to do. Is he Lord of your life? That's just my challenge going out of 2017 to go into 2018. Your time, your talent, your treasure. When you look at those things, you put them on paper and be honest. Who's making the calls in your life? Who's making the decisions in your life? You know, when there is a people who realize how wonderful he is in his goodness and what he's invested in you, and when there's a people who can really say, he is the Lord of my life, what he could do with a people like that? What he could do with a people who really say, my time, my talent, my treasure, it's submitted to you. What could he do with that group of people? Get a vision of that. What could he do? Wow. Does anybody think this sermon was way too heavy for New Year's Eve? Thank you. <laughs> Come on, stand up with me. Jesus. Just every head's bowed, every eye closed, just please. And then just be praying, okay? Just pray. I'll tell you, there's good news for anyone who doesn't know Jesus, anyone who walks without the assurance that God loves you, he's forgiven you, and he's healed you and set you free. If anyone is walking without that absolute assurance in their life, let me tell you what the good news is. You don't have to be poor no more. You don't have to be broken anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be in a place of, of oppression or depression or, or hurt or frustration, but you can have your identity absolutely secure in the reality that your heavenly Father loves you, He forgives you, He heals you, and He sets you free. And if you've never had that reality or know what it is to have Him as your Lord and your Savior, you're saying, you know what, I want to make Him Lord of my life. I want to embrace Him as my Savior and my Lord. And if you've never done that before, you say, I want to do it today, Pastor. I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And when I do that, at three, just put up your hand, and we're going to pray for you, okay? Are you ready? Here it is. Listen, all over the place. One, two, three. Just put up your hand right now. Lift it up high enough so I can see it. Thank you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand up high enough so I can see it. Thank you. Okay. You can put your hands down. That's good. So we're all going to pray. So we're going to pray right now together with you. And I want you to just repeat these words, all right? And God loves you. He's forgiving you. He's totally free you. And in these words, you're just going to declare that I accept you, Jesus. I accept the reality that you're my Savior, my Lord. So just pray this with you, right? Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for being my Savior and for being my Lord. I embrace the fact that I am forgiven, that I am healed, 
and I am free. So thank you for cleansing me, washing me new. Now fill me with your spirit. Let the spirit testify with my spirit right now that I am a child of God. Thank you. I declare that you are Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Oh, that felt good right there. That felt really good. Hey, can I get those who are ministering at the altar today? You're a part of the prayer teams. Can you guys all come on up now? Come on up. And if uh, you're not even on prayer teams today, there could be somebody who's not here who's supposed to be in prayer teams, but if you just join in. So many great things happen at the altar, you know? You say, oh, I don't need to go to the altar. Ah, you should, you should go to the altar. I say, I say like one out of three weeks at least, you should go to the altar. Well, what for? It's just good. It's good to have that altar experience to get prayed for and to be ministered to. I tell you, I like to do it. It's good stuff. So if you need prayer for anything or ministry for anything, these folks are here ready to pray for you. You can pray for healing. You can say, I need somebody to agree with me on something. You say, I, need, I just, can you pray for wisdom in an area, whatever it is. People are ready to minister to you and to pray with you and to assist you and to serve you in your journey with the Lord. So let's all pray. You ready? Heavenly Father, thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for 2017. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the way you've been with us and walked with us. Thank you that, Lord, you've been so trustworthy all the way through. You know, Lord, anything that was a bit of a bummer or just a bit messed up, I'm just going to close the door on that as we go into the new year. I'm just going to shut it off. And I'm just going to open my heart to fresh new things with you. And I just pray for each and every one that they would have an awesome, awesome New Year's. And that, Lord, we just embrace this full year because you promised you crown the year with your favor, with your bounty. So we embrace that. So, Father, we thank you for this new year. We thank you for your continued faithfulness. We thank you that we go into this year knowing that you are partnering with us to bring about your great things. So we bless each one now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you do something for me? Just one little request. Wherever you are tonight, wherever you are, you're at midnight, you're saying Happy New Year, whatever you say, do this for me. And it may sound strange, but I just want you to do it. Would you say the Lord's Prayer with whoever you're with, wherever you are? Would you just ask the people to pray with you and say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you enter into the new year just declaring that prayer and speaking that prayer and just acknowledging him that you want him to form that year with his goodness and grace. Could you? I know it might sound strange, but I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome day. Amen.